Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our first off-season episode of the Runner Rams podcast. As always, I'm Gavin Bishow. And I'm Colin Struckman. And today we have to sit down with Rhode Island native and current Syracuse forward, Cole Swider out of Portsmouth, Rhode Island, to talk about the transfer process and his time at Villanova, as well as what he's looking forward to at Syracuse. You also have some URI basketball news regarding transfers and some players on the way out. We have a lot to get into, so let's get into it. Karan Iverson clears it. Iverson gets away from the defense, dribbles into the forecourt. Iverson going up. He dunks it home as the buzzer sound. And Rowdy, the 8-10 champs. Odom. With four. Odom, 30 feet away. Jumper in the air. He's got it. has won it for Rhode Island. To the corner, shot for three by Stan. Terrell down to eight seconds. Got to go right. In traffic, off balance shot. Thank you! Jared Terrell! And for the first time since 2009, it's Rhode Island over Providence with the Ocean State. Oh, wow. Terrell from outside. First, of course, we want to give a shout-out to Rody Sports on IG. That's Rody.Sports, all lowercase Rody.Sports for the best graphics and edits and your up-to-date Round Rams basketball news. That's on Instagram. Also, give our social medias a follow. On Twitter, it's at Pod, and on Instagram, it's at Runnin.Rams.Pod. Also, it is the offseason, so Colin, if you want to go shout-out Strucky Sports right now, I don't know the exact handle. Yeah, definitely. So it's at Strucky's underscore sports underscore talk in the process of bringing the pod back and some big interviews in the future. So definitely going to be a lot to look forward to for that podcast. I'll be doing it from now on every week, once a week. So it'll be out once a week on Spotify. And those you cover New England teams, right? Uh, Bruins, Red Sox, Patriots, all the good stuff there for all your New England sports. So check out Strucky Sports Talk on Spotify, but if that's all we got. Let's get right into our interview with Syracuse forward Cole Swider. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Run Rams podcast, ex Nova Wildcat and current Syracuse Orange basketball player Cole Swider. Cole, how are you doing this evening? Doing well, man. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's always a pleasure. I know it's a little odd, obviously, a URI-based podcast of basketball, but always great to get, you know, a Rhode Island native who's doing well across the college basketball world, especially at your caliber. Coming out of high school, number 38 in the ESPN 2018 Top 100 out of St. Andrews. So always good to get those players, people like you, Tyler Kolak, carrying that torch for Rhode Island basketball is really something. And, to, to do it at a high level is just really something that it, I think me and Colin are both in awe of. So speaking of high school, jump right in. Now, of course, as I mentioned, this being a URI basketball podcast and you being such a high recruit, uh, did you ever have any relationship with URI coach at the time, Dan Hurley, when you were deciding your colleges back in 2018? Yeah, Coach Hurley offered me when I was a sophomore. Um, it was one of my first offers, and obviously being a hometown kid, I was excited about it, you know what I mean? And uh, 
obviously he moved on to UConn and um, it was a great move for him. And, and obviously he's doing a great job there, but um, yeah, they, they offered me and it, it was a, it was a, it was an honor being a Rhode Island kid, but um, obviously I chose Villanova over uh, URI, but it, it was still, it was still great to hear from them and, and know that I'm wanted by my home, my hometown school. And you definitely had a lustrous career at St. Andrews and going through that college decision process as a top 40 recruit, what was your kind of coolest interaction in your opinion? I mean, all the interactions were cool. I mean, meeting Coach Wright for the first time, Jim Beheim for the first time, Coach K. I mean, being around Hall of Famers, you know what I mean? And being recruited at that high of a level was something that um, was amazing. So I think just meeting those coaches, um, being in the facilities, kind of like just realizing like, wow, like I'm gonna have a chance to play at these schools. So it was it was one of those things where I just, uh, I kind of took it, I just tried to stay in the moment and, and make it the best decision for me. So obviously back in 2018, you committed to Villanova and you mentioned Jay Wright as, you know, the coach there at the Wildcats, unbelievable head coach through his career. What is it like playing for a coach of that caliber like Jay Wright? Yeah, it was amazing, man. Over my three years at Villanova, I learned so much. Um, he taught me so much about the game and, and ultimately made me into the player I am today. Um, every single day, he, he comes in with a lot of energy, comes in with a lot of focus and tries to preach that to his team that um, – that we want to win at a high level and we got to, we got to patience to the little things, you know what I mean? And uh, he does a great job. And ultimately, I mean, you can see by the results that he's had over, over his time that he knows what he's doing and he, he does it at, at the highest level, like at, as high as anybody he does in college basketball. So he's got to be right up there with the top coaches in college basketball. And I'm so blessed and grateful to be able to play for him over my, over three years at Villanova. So coming off your three years at Villanova, what would you say was kind of like your favorite game or moment throughout your time there at Villanova? Man, um, obviously winning the Big East tournament championship was was awesome. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Big East tournament, but being in Madison Square Garden on a Saturday night in front of a packed house, like there's nothing really like it. You know what I mean? And um, we we uh, we beat Providence in the first game, then we played Xavier on a Friday night, and we won in overtime. Uh, and then the sat like the Saturday night game, we ended up winning by two against Seton Hall, and it was one of those t moments where it was just like, like the game could have gone either way. Both teams were scrapping, fighting, and uh, we, we ended up coming out with a win. And uh, it was amazing just to just to be in New York City, win the Big East tournament, and then I mean ultimately just have just be crowned Big East champions. So I think that was probably one of my best memories at Villanova um, in terms of just winning you know what I mean because that's all I've ever cared about is just winning and and ultimately just being a part of, of great teams and great cultures and and being around great guys who all have a common goal yeah the Big East tournament is something to even watch on TV you can feel the atmosphere through the TV screen I don't know about you Colin but something that always comes out to me is whenever one of our Portsmouth guys whether it's Cole going uh Cole at Villanova or Andrew Shravis's Butler is always the homecoming to Providence. I feel like it's always a huge game. I'd always try to go to all those games because it's really cool to see. And Providence always brings the fire. As much as I despise the program at Providence, <laughs> they always bring the fire when it comes, you know, to, they, they pack the crowd. I'm not going to lie. But, you know, it's what I, I always love those homecoming games, you know, for those players. And 
I'm trying to get back to when they bring Dan Hurley back into Rhode Island and see how that goes because that's going to be something. But whenever any of those homecoming games happen in the state of Rhode Island, it's pretty a pretty cool sight to see. Yeah, definitely. So carrying over that torch from Villanova, obviously you had some great moments and some great games, but let's talk about your teammates. I mean, you've had some great teammates who have gone on to do great things in the NBA. Now, I, I don't want to put you on the spotlight and give you like, if you have a favorite teammate at Villanova, go ahead. But is there any, like a few teammates that you really learn from a lot at Villanova and love to play basketball with? Yeah. I mean, I play with so many great players. I've been blessed to learn from a bunch of play, great players. I mean, my two best friends at Villanova throughout my time there have been Colin Gillespie and, and Sadiq Bay, and, and they've been terrific. Obviously you guys have seen Colin, the kind of college basketball player Colin's been. Uh, Sadiq, the, the, the sophomore year that he had, unbelievable, got, got to go to the NBA early and get picked. Um, that was unbelievable to watch. And th- those two stick out in my mind as kind of like my favorite teammates. And then obviously I got to play with Eric Pasco, who's, who's been amazing in, in his NBA career so far. I got to play with Phil Booth, who was an amazing college player. Um, and then all the guys, you know what I mean? Justin Moore has been a great college player so far. And but Sadiq and Colin, like it's it's more than basketball with us, and and you guys you guys kind of see that on the floor when when watching us play. You know what I mean? Colin is very unselfish. He he thinks about his teammates first, and um, he plays with a chip on his shoulder. And same thing with Sadiq. I mean, they both weren't top hundred recruits. Sadiq committed in June, uh, right before we were, like we were in summer session, and Sadiq commits. Um, and then he comes in with a chip on his shoulder and, and becomes a, a two and done and a first round pick. So those two guys in my head stick out of being like really hard workers and do things the right way. And, and ultimately we, we built great friendships because of that work ethic and because of that, the, how much we care about the game. You've definitely experienced a lot of success throughout those two years, those three years rather at Villanova, two trips to the big dance, but in your eyes, what was it like playing in the big dance? Just like the atmosphere, the player experience, what would you say overall about what it's like to play in the tournament? Yeah, man, I, my freshman year was so much different than this year. You know what I mean? And uh, my freshman year, it's crazy. The media, the, the, the people in the hotel, the people around the arena, like there's a, a lot of distractions, you know what I mean? And there's a lot of people trying to get in your ear and tell you uh, and just ask you things and just, and just wonder what's going on within the team. And, um, I mean, you guys have seen the Villanova press conferences. They're very strict and they're very uh, rigid and and how, and how we go about things. You know what I mean? So, um, but then this year, obviously with no fans, no media in the locker room, um, it was it was a lot different. We, we were able to lock in and, and truly just be to ourselves and, and lock into the team and, and make the run that we did. You know what I mean? We lost the eventual national championship champions, uh, Baylor. But it's still that aura of being in the NCAA tournament was amazing to be and amazing journey to be on. And and, and uh, we made a run and it was great to be a part of. You mentioned this year's tournament, obviously during COVID times being much more different than your freshman year. Of course, your sophomore year did not have a tournament. Yeah. I think your record was 24 and seven. You guys coming off a Big East championship. Is that correct? Yeah. And then of course, COVID hit. So a lot of teams really you know, we're heartbroken there. But this year, you talk about Colin Gillespie being one of your close friends and losing him to injury. You know, it was a big blow to you guys, but you still, you know, managed to reach the six, Sweet 16 when a lot of people count you guys out. I know many of my friends. I don't know about you, Colin. 
but you know, how the how you losing the Winthrop in your brackets or losing early. And did you guys play with like a chip on your shoulder or, or like you were out there with something to prove or was it like business as usual without Colin before? Yeah. I mean, losing Colin was a huge blow to us. The, what he means to our team and, and how much we rely on him on the court. You know what I mean? It took us a couple of games to kind of get used to Colin, not, not being with us. You know what I mean? Like he definitely was, is the leader of our team and, and he meant so much to the team, not only him scoring the basketball, but him getting guys shots and him and him um, just being a leader on the court on the defensive end and, and making tough plays when we need them. But um, when, when it came to the tournament, uh, we we felt like we had something to prove. You know what I mean? I, um, we, we, we try to just focus on 94 by 50, just focus on the things that we can control. But um, we definitely have something to prove. Obviously, you don't like to hear that like a 12 seed is going to beat you, you know what I mean? A team, no no offense to the Big South, but a team in the Big South is, is, is going to beat you guys and you guys are going to go home early and you guys are going to end the season losing three games straight. Like, we didn't, we didn't plan on that, you know what I mean? Like, um, we, we knew how good we were. We knew the type of players that we were. And, and ultimately, um, we were able to make a run to the Sweet 16 and played a great Baylor team. So uh, we, we definitely thought that thought that we, we, could, we could make a run in the tournament um, with, with, with the team that we had, so. You mentioned that great Baylor team who would go on to win the national championship on Monday night against Gonzaga, but what was it like to play against a team like that? Did you just notice how they could just kind of dominate the floor and just how well put together they are as a team? Yeah, they, they were unbelievable, man. I mean, offensively, it's one thing. They, they showed against us offensively, but defensively, the way they got it, got up into us, the way they uh, forced a lot of turnovers. I mean, we were one of the lowest turnover teams in the country, and uh, they turned. I think we turned the ball over 16 times, and and that that was kind of the difference maker in the game. You know what I mean? Like we it was we were up by seven at halftime. It was probably tied with about eight minutes left, and then and then we started turning the ball over. And, and I guess a team like that, when you turn the ball over, it's two or three points on the other end. So. Um, they were an amazing team, and Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, Macy Oteague, uh, they're, they're three of the best guards in the country, easily. Um, and they, they bring, like, probably NBA pros off the bench, you know what I mean? So the, the collection of, of players that they had was really hard to play against, and then they're all physically super strong. Um, they all play the right way, and, and, they, and they really committed to the defensive end. Yeah, that Baylor team surprised me a lot last night. I mean, I, I, I've been so high in Gonzaga because you know, credit where credit is due. They played unbelievable basketball all year at a high level. People put them down because in the West Coast Conference, but I think they, they're still playing at an unbelievable level without Tim East, Kispert, and Suggs. They're still an NCAA tournament team in my mind, but you talk about Davian Mitchell. Jalen Suggs could not get inside the three-point line. He was just playing great defense, wall up. Like, they kept trying to drive, but they just couldn't because Davion Mitchell was playing great, like, heads up defense he was getting their body in front of them like clean just his feet were moving so quick and I think he had like something crazy like 16 assists like they just play team basketball and they're just a really good team and that whole rebuild that Scott Drew had is just a real testament to his coaching yeah I think Davion Mitchell's the best on-ball defender in the country you know what I mean and that's good sorry about that I gotta, I gotta... all good all good um I think he's the best on-ball defender in the country. You know what I mean? And, and the and the things that he brings on the court is uh, defensively, and then the improvement he's made offensively from his, I think, sophomore to junior year has been outstanding. It just shows the kind of player that, that he is. You know what I mean? And like 
they, they were unbelievable, man. And uh, I thought we played them tough. We, we played our hearts out. I, I think that um, who knows with Colin, who knows, you know what I mean? But, but we, we, we played them tough and we were ultimately the toughest game in the NCAA tournament. You know what I mean? So of course that ended your season. And as we know, now you are transferring to Syracuse university now was transferring something from transferring from Villanova, something that was in the back of your mind, or did you start to think about it like throughout the season or really as the season ended? Yeah, man, I never thought committing to Villanova that I would ever transfer. You know what I mean? And um, COVID kind of threw a wrench in, in everybody's lives, uh, not only people in the basketball world, but um, ultimately the NCAA made a decision that everyone everyone can come back for a fifth year. And uh, have, having everybody come back for a fifth year, uh, I, a couple of our guys are going to take advantage of that, of that rule. And it, it ultimately kind of just made a log jam at Villanova. You know what I mean? I, I've... Um, I've been waiting my turn, you know what I mean? Doing all the right things, trying to play hard. And, and uh, it kind of limited the opportunity that I had to grow as a player and, and be the player that I know I, could, I knew I could become. So when that happened, um, I sat down and talked to Coach Wright. And we, all, we both agreed that it was best for me to move on and, and uh, look at my other options. So uh, when that happened, obviously, I put my name in the portal and uh, it was a tough decision because I, I never thought I would leave Villanova. I love Villanova. I love Coach Ray. I love the coaching staff. I love the school, all the people I met there and, and the times that I had there. Um, but ultimately, I had to make the best decision for me and, and my career and, and ultimately what's going to give me the best chance to reach my goals, which is playing in the NBA. So that, that, that was, a, in a nutshell, that was a part of my decision. And it, it, uh, it transpired that way. But I have nothing but good things to say about Villanova and the program. So on from that, obviously, kind of COVID was probably one of the main reasons for transferring. I, I know you wanted to stay there, but obviously threw a wrench at things, like you said before. But what was kind of sitting down with Jay Wright like? I mean, obviously, it was very understanding conversation, but was it kind of difficult to you know go up and talk to him that you were going to leave the program? Like, how did that kind of go down? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those conversations that uh, I never pictured I was going to have, you know what I mean? And um it's one of those things where being being a guy who's I felt like I was so locked into the season and it surprised a lot of people that I was transferring um, within the program just just because of I never wavered in in my commitment to the program I never wavered in my commitment to the team and 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 trying to win at a high level you know what I mean and and so uh, on on the inside it seems like like I'm fine I'm, I'm doing everything the right way and um, it, the conversation with Coach Wright was was tough, you know what I mean? Because we we know each other so well. He's obviously coached me for three years. I've, I've been under his guidance for three years, and um, it was it was a real tough decision, and, and it's one that I, I thought long and hard about. Um, I, I talked to my family, all the people that are close to me about it, and ultimately, like, I just had to make a decision on on whether I'm going to stay at Villanova and kind of continue to have that same role. Or I'm going to try and go to another place and, and really expand on my role and, and show what I can do and, and do that at a high level. So um, I, I chose to bet on myself and, and, and do it in that fashion. Well, you talk about how, you know, your role at Villanova and being a team guy and something that shoots off to me off the stat pages last year, your sophomore year, you started 14 games, but only two your junior year. And 
we see that role change, but something that actually surprised me, I looked deeper into it for the first time yesterday. And I really saw the meeting. I was like, well, Cole Sweater, you know, probably the best opportunity for him. He didn't start as many games, but you look at the minutes, you got more minutes. You got 18.5 your sophomore year and 18.9 your junior year. So even though you didn't start as much, you still got more playing time. So that surprised me off the bat. So I always thought like, oh, well, you know, he didn't get, you know, his opportunity, but you know, and I think we you said there about the, the seniors coming back. I know it's affected URI with Fats Russell going to grad transfer, another player staying, and you have a grad transfer coming in. So it's it's all crazy. And with this COVID time, it's definitely something different and something that might not be experienced in in a long time when something like this happens again. So I can definitely imagine what you're going through. So obviously, I think I saw a stat last week. It was I think at one time there was a thousand and a hundred players in the transfer portal in college basketball, the most in history. Uh, w- was the transfer process crazy? And obviously, did the you talked about COVID, but did the new rule with the be able to transfer with no exception have a factor in you transferring from Villanova? Yeah, I mean, I, that, that number is a little deceiving too because all those fifth-year players who um, they can return to the they, they can all enter the transfer portal and ultimately return to their school. So I, I, I still think the number's high, you know what I mean, with, with guys leaving. But I think the number could be a little deceiving when we look at it. But, um, but yeah, man, I, I never wanted to be one of those guys, you know what I mean? And uh, it was one of those things where I, like, I, I never wanted to run away from a challenge or, or run away from a thing. But ultimately, I, 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 uh, I had to make a decision that, that was going to be best for me. And, um, the, like, the, ex, the extra year and, and ultimately um, – like players being able to play without a penalty is definitely a big reason why guys are going in. You know what I mean? It's almost like if you have any sort of problem with your program or have any sort of uh, holdback of, of what you what your your uh, values don't align in certain places, like you might as well go in the portal and see what what else is what else is uh, out there for you. You know what I mean? And um, I know the culture at Villanova is so strong. I was the only transfer in the program um, so far, at least, um, but. It's it's definitely it's definitely the wild west out there. You know what I mean. And the transfer process is once you get your name in the portal. Uh, for me, at least, it was it was crazy. So, yeah, man, it, it's definitely a, a wild time in college basketball right now. Definitely, as we're seeing so many players transfer left and right, trying to find new homes that kind of fit their playing style. But what were some schools that you were looking at closely, and schools you thought you might transfer to? Yeah, I mean, when when looking at the transfer portal for me, it was it was all about the fit. You know what I mean? And um, before I went into the transfer portal, I, I like I, I the, th- the schools I was thinking about, uh, I was just hoping that, that they would come and contact me. You know what I mean? I was thinking about Syracuse. I was thinking about Rutgers. I was thinking about um, maybe Indiana. You know what I mean? I was thinking about some of these schools. Um, but at the end of the day, you don't know until you enter the portal who's really interested and. Coaches can easily not believe in you the same way they believed in you the first time around recruiting. Um, and, and that was the case in some schools, but um, so th- those three schools was three schools I was eyeing um, before I entered the portal. And then once I entered the portal, um, those, th- those three schools contacted me and I went on with the process in that sense. You mentioned some great schools there in Indiana with Trace Jackson Davis, and they have Rutgers. You almost knocked off Houston. So, and then of course Syracuse, who makes always their great runs to the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight, somehow being a double-digit seed. But just some 
some teams that have, you know, some uh, opportunity for improvement. It looks like, and you could be that piece to help them. Obviously you chose Syracuse and how do you think you're going to use the pressure of playing in the big East to help succeed in the ACC, which is also a very basketball heavy conference with the likes of Duke, UNC, UVA and others. I mean, I, I've said this on a lot of, on a, on a lot of other interviews, um, for me, I love Villanova and everything that stood for in the, in, the, in the culture that Villanova has. But the on-court fit wasn't the best for me at times, you know what I mean? And um, so when looking at schools transferring, the, the only thing I was really concerned about was like, yeah, I want to get my degree. I, I want to look at academics and, and everything like that. Um, but for me, it was all about the on-court fit and, and having the opportunity to be a main guy on the team and have an opportunity to be a guy who can – who can score and defend and, and do that at a high level without, without looking over my shoulder, coming, coming off the bench. You know what I mean? And, and it was, it was the opportunity for me, nothing, nothing guaranteed, obviously, like for me, I've always earned everything that I've gotten, but um, the opportunity, you know what I mean? And um, that was something that I was looking for. And, and when going into the, uh, going into the portal, uh, Syracuse, it, like they, they recruited me out of high school and I had that relationship with them, you know what I mean? And the on-court fit felt perfect to me. So um, for me, it's not so much going from the Big East to the ACC or, or going from um, like seeing those conferences, you know what I mean? It's, it was finding the best fit for me and finding a program that valued what I do well and, and going with that program and, and I'm, gonna go all, I'm gonna go all in with them. And that, that ended up being Syracuse. So I feel like the on-court fit is a lot better at Syracuse. Um, they value shooting the ball. They value making plays. They value their wings uh, scoring, you know what I mean? And having a guy like Buddy Beheim watching film on him, um, it was easy to see how I could fit into their offense. And ultimately, um, having a guy like me will release a lot of pressure from Buddy. You know what I mean? Having another guy who can score, having another guy who can shoot, having another guy who can make plays off the bounce and, and, be, and be a – a uh, big guy in the, in the back of the two, three zone who, who's smart and has a high IQ. So being able to, being able to find that fit was, was the biggest thing for me. And, and ultimately I think it's going to lead to my success in the ACC, having a, having a program that has the same values as me off the court, but having the fit of on-court production will, will, will be the biggest th difference for me switching conferences. One thing that kind of stood out to me when I kind of was, searching Twitter on, on the news that you were transferring was, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but like after you did, was it not like two minutes later that Syracuse was calling you? Yeah. So I entered the portal at, at 1 40 PM and two minutes later, Jerry McNamara and coach Beheim uh, called me at 1 42. It was, it was insane, man. And, and at that point I was so relieved to, to hear from them. You know what I mean? It was a school that I've been eyeing, the school that recruited me hard the first time that probably it was between Villanova, Syracuse and, and Duke. You know what I mean? It was it was those three. And um, I could have I could have went I could have went to all three of them. You know what I mean? And felt comfortable and felt uh, a place. But I obviously chose Villanova and, and they were so great about me going there. Like Jerry McNamara said to me, like, like, are you happy? Uh, like when I came to Villanova and I said, yeah. So when I went into the portal, committed to Syracuse, he asked me the same thing. He's like, are you happy? I was like, yeah, I'm ecstatic. Like, I can't wait to get there. So, so it was one of those relationships that, that didn't die over the three years, you know, over the four years that since, since I committed there. And it, it, was, uh, it was great to hear from them right away. And ultimately, they laid out the plan for me. And 
and play, and saw what and they and they have the confidence in me to to be that guy for them. Out of all the things possible, we're talking about Syracuse University. What is the thing you're most excited about to be part of that program? That's just been lustrous over the course of its whole existence. Yeah, I think I'm I'm so blessed, right? Because I got to play for Coach Wright and Villanova, one of the one of the blue blood programs, in my opinion. And then <laughs> I, I transferred, you know what I mean? I get to play for Coach Jim Beheim in Syracuse, like like. Those two programs are the staples in college basketball. You know what I mean? Two Hall of Fame coaches, two of the most winningest programs, especially in the, in the recent years for Coach Wright, but over 45 years for Jim Beheim. You know what I mean? And and being able to be a part of the uh, the culture of Syracuse basketball is going to be ama- is going to be an amazing experience and one that I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold very close to my heart and take a lot of pride in, um, as I did Villanova and uh, just just the like you said like the things that Syracuse basketball stands for, people think of a big time program. And, and I just want to continue that legacy and continue to make people in Syracuse proud and, and continue that, uh, that reign that coach Bayheim has had over these 45 years and, and hopefully, hopefully make it as far as we can and, and, and take one, take one home. All right. So I think we pretty much wrapped up our little basketball portion. We'll take a little break from that. So we got a couple more questions here. What are what are your top songs in your pregame playlist? What, what songs are you gonna put on before a game to, to get you fired up to get out there? Man, I love Future before games. Future just gets me going. Uh, he just dropped a new song. I, I haven't listened to it before a game, but Hard for Next with Moneybag Yo. That, that that gets me going. So definitely definitely anything Future before games. What about any superstitions like before games, like a certain meal, like a certain like outfit you wear before a game? Like, is there anything like that? Man, I, I I used to have all those superstitions and all these things, and put my left sock on first, and all and everything. Man, uh, eat a peanut butter sandwich before I got on the bus, like everything. But uh, this year, I, with everything going on with COVID, I, I kind of just just went with the flow and and just just tried to lock in. Uh, with, with meditation and things like that. So um, no, no, no pregame superstition stuff this year. All right. So what would you say if you had to pick one, what would be your favorite restaurant in Rhode Island? Put me on the spot here, huh? <laughs> um, man, I, I love federal Hill. Um, I don't know if you guys have been to federal Hill, but Sienna, Sienna's great. Um, if I had to choose in Portsmouth, I got to go my boy Joe Ochi at Valley Inn. Um, but yeah, there's a bunch of great spots around. I don't want to get heat for this, so uh, so I have, I have a lot of spots. But but but, but yeah, nah, those two those two are great. And Joe Ochi's still going strong there. Portsmouth back to back Division Two championships, so he's doing a great job over there. They got a lot of talent and a lot of you know a, a lot of you know, promise over the next couple of years with Mario behind them. So obviously a, a good program, one that you were there, you were there for one year, right? Yeah. Yeah. All, all I remember, I, I don't know how much you scored exactly, but I think it was a playoff game versus West Warwick, maybe at home. You like went okay. off. I, I don't know. It could have like maybe 40 plus points. I don't even know. But <laughs> all I know is like, man, this kid is good. And then you ended up saying Andrew's obviously the best decision for you. And you ended up this yeah. place where, this opportunity where you've played with played at Villanova with Jay Wright, and now you're transferring to Syracuse, which is a great program in itself with Jim Beheim. So obviously you're doing things, you're doing something right 
with your basketball career. It's been a pleasure to have you on Talks College Hoops as it did end last night, but a lot of things, a lot of moving pieces still in the NCA with the transfer portal and fifth years and grad students and all that stuff. As as John Rossing says, we sleep in May. So <laughs> yeah. we're starting off April right now. So it's going to be a crazy, crazy couple of weeks. But it's great to know that you have a, a good home and a, and a good fit for you and your basketball career, especially at a place like Syracuse where things, things get done. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, I, I listen to you guys' podcasts and you guys do a great job. So. Keep up the good work, and you know, you're always going to have a fan in me. Well, thank you very much. Well, it was great to have Cole on. Obviously, gave a lot of good insight, and someone who's played with who's played uh, with for Jay Wright, and obviously going to Jim Behan definitely has a bright future. And I think he has a lot of intangibles more than just playing basketball uh, in the mental in, in the mental mind of basketball I think basketball you know it's a lot physical but to have the, the mental strength and all those intangibles to you know be a great teammate and agree, be a great player is what really makes Cole Swider different than a lot of other basketball players in in the college realm definitely it's great to see I mean someone from our hometown playing at the caliber he is is definitely spectacular to see I feel like it's a good fit for him I, I wasn't that shocked when I saw him enter the transfer portal, but I'm really excited to see what he does at Syracuse. Definitely. But Con, we have some URI recruiting and transfer news. Of course, Fats Russell, we all knew it was his last year, but some news news since our last podcast is that Fats will be using a fifth year in grad transferring. He got a lot of calls right off the bat from Michigan, Gonzaga, Maryland, Minnesota, Arizona State, Penn State, but he ended up landing at Maryland. So congratulations to Fast Russell. He's earned that right to go somewhere else and to a big time school like Maryland in the Big Ten. He's going to play his fifth year out there. So I don't know about you, Colin, but I'm going to be tracking that closely next year to see how our guy Fats does. Also, Rhode Island was left with one last roster scholarship spot. They'll have Tresberry coming off Fred shirt as well as Ish Ayo Filet, and of course, Abdu Sam coming in as a rookie. Listen, with one spot left, they bring in grad transfer Ish Elamin, who averaged 16.2 points, three rebounds, and three assists from the Ball State team over there. So he's going to come in as a solid scorer and probably a leader on this team. So look at this Rhode Island team. I think for starters, you probably have both Ishes in Ish Milagit, Ish Elliman. You have Jeremy Shepard, who's coming back for a fifth year. That's also news. And you can exercise his right a fifth year at Rhode Island. Then either Makai or Mikel, probably leaning towards Mikel because Mikai, of course, coming off a gruesome injury that he suffered in the Wisconsin game back earlier in the year. So I think Mikel maybe, but either or can play that that center spot and maybe they both start or maybe you'll see Malik Martin sneaking as a power forward, something like that or, or, along that kind of along those lines. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that presence helps and he's definitely going to provide a lot of depth for this team, which they didn't have last year. And it really kind of plagued them. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And it'd be definitely interesting to see how a team with basically zero, the zero, close to no chemistry last year coming in was the biggest question. How could this team mesh together? And early on, we saw a lot of turnovers, a lot of frustration. And it kind of continued throughout the season. Of course, there were some high points, of course, being St. Bonaventure and beating VCU. But they lost seven of the last eight games down the stretch. Now having that moment to play with each other and now bringing in a player like a grad transfer like Ish Elliman and just 
having Jay Shepard come back for a fifth year and getting your players back from a full for a full year, I think David Cox has a lot of work to do. But I don't think it's unrealistic to see this team succeed as they're finally back together, gonna have a full offseason together, barely any moving around besides Fats leaving, which we already knew he was gone. And then of course Ish Element comes in, which usually happens to transfer to do come in, but not the likes we did likes we had last year with that many transfers leaving and coming in. So It'll definitely be something to see. I think my expectations will be a, a little less than last year, but also at, by the end, I hope higher than where we were to end the year. Obviously, just a, a gruesome ending and there's a sluggish ending and it was you know, hard to watch at some points, but we got through it, Colin, and I think there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully, I hope David Cox can get his team together and get a team that has chemistry and get working as off, the offseason is beginning and as they start play next November, hopefully with fans at the Ryan Center, you see COVID vaccines coming out. You see all these things, restrictions being left. You see MLB ballparks letting in fans. So hopefully the more time time goes by, the more things go back to normal and we can be back in the Ryan Center and see this Rhode Island Rams team play. Definitely. I mean, it seems like we're turning a corner. Hopefully we can get fans in almost every sporting event you know, in the future. So it definitely seems like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, which is uh, great to see because there's been some dark times, but it seems like we're really turning the corner. So that's going to be it for our first off season episode, kind of season 1.5 here as we're transitioning from this season one to season two. So we're still working on a lot of things, trying to get some more interviews, of course, get the content that you fans are, are, you know, trying to get over this offseason time. So obviously no college basketball. We'll be on the lookout for any more episodes because we're trying to land more interviews and get some more content out for you guys there. That's going to do it for the episode. As always, stay safe and roadie, roadie, roadie.